Warning, the following public space travel podcast episode is a critical discourse analysis of the manifesto written by the shooter who committed the New Zealand massacre on the 15th of March, 2019. As such, this episode contains material that some may find disturbing and triggering. We have chosen to intentionally refrain from using the shooter's name. Public space travel stands unwaveringly against hate, bigotry, and oppression in all its forms. May this episode help comrades and allies better understand the twisted ideas and sick justifications inside the minds of the alt-right. We hope this episode will agitate and inoculate the left and their allies from these abhorrent alt-right beliefs. Now, more than ever, do we need to organize in solidarity against all oppression. We cannot delay. This episode is dedicated to the 50 people who were shot, dead, and 48 injured in the attack targeting Muslims at two mosques during Friday prayers at Christchurch, New Zealand. A few of these victims, according to Democracy Now!, had included 50-year-old Naeem Rashid, was killed at the Al-Noor Mosque after he tried to grab the shooter's gun. Rashid was a teacher from Pakistan who had been planning his son's spring wedding. His son, Talha, was killed alongside his father. Pakistan's prime minister announced Rashid would be presented with a national award for his bravery. New Zealand football goalkeeper, 33-year-old Ada Alion, who was just become a father, was also among the 50 victims. So were 14-year-old Saeed Milni, 44-year-old Hasna Ahmed, and father of two, Lilik Abdul Hamid. Rest in power. I began the meeting by making this statement, which I think needs to be made to the nation. Public space travel. Public space travel. And so on and so on. I can't help but believe that in the future, we'll see throughout the world an increasing trend toward the next logical step. We achieve full communism. Public space travel. Welcome to Public Space Travel, a podcast dedicated to social, political critique, comedy, and education. Coming from an anti-hierarchy and anti-oppression perspective, we aim for progressive, radical left solidarity with our brothers, sisters, trans, and non-binary folks of all stripes. I'm your host, Lazarus, and with me today are co-hosts Lucy and Marks. Our special guest, Johnny Lupinacci, an eco-critical scholar and professor of cultural studies and social thought and education. Today's episode is a bit more serious than our usual. We're doing a critical discourse analysis of some of the themes of the New Zealand Shooters Manifesto, which has been highly praised and circulated among alt-right groups online, even though the possession and distribution of the manifesto is now illegal in New Zealand. We will begin with some historical context leading up to the Christchurch tragedy uh, and a brief discussion on the online spaces in which hate and bigotry is learned, followed by some various themes. One of the main themes we'll consider today is ecofascism, which the shooter had self-identified as. As always, you can reach us at publicspacetravel at gmail.com, or you can leave us a message on our voicemail at 208-502-1406. So the rise of hate groups and far-right terrorist attacks has been on the rise. Uh, in the U.S. alone, according to the most recent Southern Poverty Law Center's intelligence uh, report of spring 2019, it's estimated that, quote, in 2018, there's a nearly 6% of America's approximately 198 million non-Latino white people, that's approximately 12 million people, that have beliefs consistent with the racist alt-right worldview, meaning that they broadly believe that politics should promote white interests above those of other racial groups, unquote. This report also presents a map listing uh, 1,020 active hate groups in the U.S. currently, which is up, to, which is up from 954 uh, in 2018. Uh, the website also has a very detailed timeline of United States far-right violence from 1995 onwards. 
Uh, this far-right violence is not a new thing for the U.S. Uh, since we have this deep history of the KKK, neo-Nazi, and white supremacist movements, we are a nation built on the exploitation of non-white labor and slavery, as well as the violent stealing of land from indigenous people under the guise of some manifest destiny BS. So this report goes on to say that you know it's it's not just an American problem. It's right-wing populism fueled by anti-immigrant fervor. And it's exploding across the world with extremist candidates gaining or in power in countries such as Hungary, Poland, Austria, Italy, and Brazil. Uh, research conducted by The Guardian in partnership with more than 30 political scientists show that one in four Europeans now vote for populist parties. But in regards to the Christchurch massacre, to bring it back in, the shooter was a 28-year-old Australian citizen and admitted to planning the attack for about two years. During this time, he had written a manifesto titled The Great Replacement. Uh, which is essentially uh, a reference to the conspiracy theory, a nationalist right-wing conspiracy theory, which had stated that white Catholic French population and white Christian European popularity, or population at large, is being progressively replaced with non-European people, specifically Arab, Berber, Middle Eastern, North African, and Sub-Saharan African populations through mass migration and democratic growth. Hence, it's really you know, uh, a dog whistle here for a white supremacist conspiracy theory, that of white genocide. In addition, it's also the, the, the title, The Great Replacement, is also a reference to the book by Renan Camus, who is an ardent supporter of Marianne Le Pen, which is the French politician, uh, daughter of the other Le Pen politician for National Front, a right-wing populist party. Uh, it seems to also be a nod to a YouTube video done by Canadian alt-right figure, Lawrence, Lawrence Southern, uh, who had posted a video with the same name in July of 2017 that received uh, 250,000 views that year. So this is a, you know, this is a big deal. It's really gaining traction uh, among the alt-right, and it's uh, reverberating from there. Um, today, though, we want to really focus on kind of what the manifesto speaks to about ecofascism and really give light to what that is and also help to really break down uh, the abhorrent views uh, of ecofascism, what that means, specifically for us on the left. This is something we'll have to uh, combat and deal with in today and also the near future. So for those who aren't familiar with ecofascism, Johnny, did you want to talk briefly about what ecofascism is, or do you want me to go ahead and just the history? Or I mean, I guess I, I can just maybe say like a working kind of generalizing definition of it, and then you can go into it and provide a little more context for it, because I think, especially in relationship to this podcast right now, like, the way that it's taken up as sort of a, like, a springboard for what will really say, I think, is a deeper urge and drive to sort mm -hmm. of fill a void with a void, for lack of better terms here, it's like an insatiable urge to dominate and control that I think the people who are prone to eco-fascism are any kind of fascism find an affinity towards it in. But in general, you know, it's it's been this idea, like to encapsulate it, it's just that, that fascism is necessary in order to preserve humanity on the planet. It's sort of like the, like the simplest definition of it is that human beings are you know, incapable in freedom model of you know, living on the planet and have destroyed the planet to the point of which uh, requires aggressive, militant, fascist sort of governance of it. Uh, and so then, you know, so then we look at that really in connection, in this case, in connection with 
with the great replacement. And I'll put some square quotes around that, you know, like the great replacement, because it, then it can get and it often does get extended to um, like it, like if you're following me thus far, like because human a particular group of humans, mm -hmm. i.e. mostly those enacting this will say like white Western industrial males being some of the worst perpetrators of that relationship mm -hmm. with the planet and the resources. Mm -hmm. if, if you're following me in this logic of like that that's problematic on the planet, and most of us who learned either from deep ecology or other aspects of things are like, yeah, yeah, sounds good. Like this is really a problem. How, you know, the, the ecological crisis is actually a cultural crisis. And now, now we're following along and you're sort of amassing attention. Then you, you, what the ideologue or like the, the dictatorship kind of affinity likes to really neatly dovetail in is so if you're following me, cool, cool. And now you're with me and you're kind of gaining momentum. You're vibing, right? Yeah, cool. I'm on that page. Like, like particular group of humans really needs to think differently about their relationship to the land. Okay. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, they're not fucking doing it. So we're going to really need somebody in charge to make it a rule because we need rules for people to follow that make sure no one's going to, you know, keep destroying the planet. And you know what, in particular too, we need it, we need it to, to be about population, putting other square quotes around that. Mm -hmm. We also need it to be a way to conveniently, I'll put that quotes around it, maintain the kind of power that we privilege that we're, we're currently experiencing. So you know what, like white nationalism needs to kind of buddy up with this because we need, if, if there's going to be a white future, it's going to be a white future here on the planet. And so sometimes what I think eco-fascism is doing at this particular moment is getting people who are really already kind of cued into like that the planet is speaking to us in different ways, whether it's global climate change or, you know, the scarce resources in the particular ways populations have grown, that the response to it is on the minds of a lot of young people and a lot of people around the planet. And so through these sort of politically managed, right, and, and created scarcities, right, then you have people who are really like almost in a fear state or something. And, and so you start a logic argument in a place that sort of fits, right? Mm -hmm. We're seeing this in our own country, right? You're unemployed, you're, pov you're impoverished. And so you build sort of momentum and then dovetail in the, the other piece um, mm -hmm. that for a particular group, fits really nicely. And what I mean for a particular group is like the white patriarchal heteronormative, you know, like ma masculinity, ma male. So the eco-fascism piece, you know, kind of being fascism that's argued as necessary in mm. order to preserve life, human life on the planet. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's interesting that you tied in like the necessary component. Um, one of the things that is said in the manifesto is this green nationalism is the only true nationalism. And so like there is this tie of if you want to uh, have fascism, which is, uh, you know, is, is upheld by them as the answer, the solution to the world's problems, you also have to include the environment, which is a really, I, I guess, like, I, I feel like a lot of lefties would be like, whoa, yeah, like, I got to save the environment too. But like, whoa, 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 this fascism is now in like our, you know, environmentalist domain. What the fuck? Like, yeah, I think that it's really just the dog whistle for ethno-nationalism, white supremacy. And, a, and another rationale, like another way, and this is the really good thing, I think abusers, and ultimately we're talking about this, like yeah. mass killings, it's like an insatiable urge to see, to, to find pleasure in, outside of taking and dominating. 
and the ultimate mm -hmm. dominating is like it will dominate until there is nothing to dominate and so like ends in death and and these like to get a mobilization to that there has to be some real effort around proliferating it mm -hmm. and what these with these groups especially in the these informal learning spaces like whether it's like you know the threads online or whether it's like on like listening in gaming groups and like intentional sort of efforts to politically mm -hmm. mobilize you know have to have logical entry points mm -hmm. that fit that mm -hmm. sort of you begin to like a little piece of you sort of agrees yeah and then they mm -hmm. sort of like i'm i'm listening you know oh yeah yeah that's true i feel that way i mean you know have you experienced you know rejection have you experienced these things mm -hmm. of course like Lots of people have, and that's what like the ideologue and the, the sort of amassing populace of a dictator gets. Mm. You know, how can I get as many different radical groups mm -hmm. to begin to shape and form an identity mm -hmm. of fulfillment in in some purpose to my ultimate domination? And you know, and dominators get really good at convincing us that we want abuse, mm -hmm. right? And so that's like something that I like I'm interested in in like in a time where it's like very visible, visible and experienced around the planet that like, you know, we have this Anthropocene or this, this mm -hmm. radical shift in what uh, life on the planet will be like. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and people are aware of that. Then like pulling sort of that as a, yet another way of bringing folks in. Yeah, it's interesting that there's a lot of people who even now still don't fully grasp like how like susceptible they are right. to becoming close to something like this, to entering into this fold by either not recognizing maybe some of their own biases or something like that or, or whatever. Um, yeah, it's just, and when I have conversations with people like this stuff, like you just kind of notice that like, they, you could easily, if they just met the right person who just knew how to, you know, word things in the way that they could, you know, warp their mind and say, oh yeah, I agree with you actually. You know, you make some good points. Mm -hmm. I'll follow you along this path. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. that's really that's interesting. So like definitely there's there's a report, recent report, but even before the report came out, like this was something that's been, you know, kind of known that there's absolutely a libertarian to alt-right pipeline on YouTube. Mm -hmm. The Data and Society Research Institute of 2018, they they did a report on this and essentially they're saying that quote in many ways YouTube is built to uh, incentivize the behavior of these political influencers, specifically speaking to like various alt-right and also libertarian-leaning YouTube channel stars, and how because of their interconnectedness, it really results in viewers basically like falling down this uh, alt-right rabbit hole. And YouTube, since you know, not only are they monetizing it, so the creators themselves can basically do this for a living. YouTube is also profiting from it. So there really isn't like this incentive, I guess, you could say for YouTube to be like, hey, you should probably stop. In fact, the report goes on to say how the term platform itself has helped YouTube position itself as a neutral utility that helps facilitate free speech, quote, and openness, unquote. Mm -hmm. The website similarly seeks policies that offers it protection from hosting user-generated content while simultaneously facing minimal liability for what those users say. This report has shown how these attempts at objectivity are being exploited by users who fundamentally reject objectivity as a valid stance. And as a result, platforms like YouTube have an imperative to govern content and behavior for explicit values, such as the rejection of content that promotes white supremacy, regardless of whether it includes slurs. So definitely like a recognition that I guess you could say like this informal 
learning space. You know, the online realm is really, uh, I guess, kind of piloting piloting this. I've actually had an experience while playing Battlefield of uh, somebody was trying. We basically got into a, an argument, a debate about becoming a neo-Nazi, and the guy. Somebody was like, just fucking play, like stop texting, whatever. And he's just like, no, if I convert at least one person, like I've done my job for the day. And it was like really fascinating that, you know, this is when you when you do online gaming or you're on the online, like you will eventually run into this and you'll see it more and more and more. Yeah, man. It's it's fascinating to me, like in the simulated act, and I'm, I'm making an assumption. I'm not like anti video games or anything. I just haven't had time to play them in forever mm -hmm. I'm like i'm like old school man like some maybe some fuck with some <laughs> mario kart or something yeah, you know, yeah it's been a minute <laughs> no no that's not true I, with i i was i had a friend who was into some different game and he got me kind of like semi hooked into this like borderland or something game oh it yeah was like this future yeah. so i oh but but i'm i'm thinking sort of on the fly here on this like it's interesting that like there is a particular tactic of i'm assuming like there's some shooting or killing right in these oh, games and so like you're collaboratively bonding right yes, on a very right. like primal level you're collaboratively bonding around like shared enjoyment of killing although it's simulated and i'm not going to like make a really naive connection like because you kill online you kill in real yeah. life but but like there's a little bit of like wiring going on and bonding around that and and it sets a temp so you're even if you're conscious of it it's it's happening and so mm -hmm. that recruitment and that conversation while like there's a shared relationship mm -hmm. around an enjoyment around killing. Now that's not saying like that maps onto your whole life doing that, but mm -hmm. it seems like it's like a rife place. Oh yeah. Right. To make, to, to do strong political recruiting. Yeah. And I think that you are made it really clear. You're not suggesting that like uh, violent video games, you know, leads to violent people, but there is a certain sense of like normalization and desensitization, I'd say that goes on. And then, yeah, especially if you have like a Nazi who's typing in your team chat, like, bro, you should probably read Mein Kampf. Like, it's kind of a terrible recipe, but yeah, um, it's interesting. Also, like, oh yeah, go ahead. I was just saying, like, early video games that I know of, like, like fighting battle games are like, it's always like, me the good guy equals America. Yeah, the white people. Yeah, and every single bad guy in those games is always like some terrorist organization from the Middle East or something like that. Yeah. So yeah. you just like right from the get-go when you're like a child, that's what I remember. <laughs> it's like that's even with some of the, the yeah. you know, modern games, it's it's very much like a, a American mm -hmm. centered uh imperialist mm -hmm. theme to it of, of yeah. it's yeah. not too far of a stretch, but a lot of the like Taunt Clancy games yes. there's so full of just like even if they, they don't intend it to be, it's very imperialists very like, like red scare kind of russia hate. racial oh yeah very racial like so there's like was a was the wildlands or something it was in south america and then all the middle eastern uh, uh settings as well mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah and that's I, oh yeah go ahead well i was just i was gonna say that i do remember it, uh you know playing when i'm playing these games and you do end up meeting other people kids i've played like with kids obviously and they will start talking about their life story with me for some reason and they'd be kind of like you just get the impression that they're kind of like lonely you know maybe misunderstood mm -hmm. or whatever and then those yeah. are the same people who are like visiting you know the chat boards the message boards and yep you know those are the ones that are getting targeted and they're all over that space yeah i think that they really and i want to mean they i mean like the alt-right really ca capitalizes on youth who feel 
alienated or going through mental health or like other life problems and capitalizing and providing them a solution. I think that's kind of the appeal of like, for example, Jordan Peterson, right? The 12 rules to be the ultimate lobster king, whatever that shit is. <laughs> and so like, but to reel it back in to the video game point, uh, just real quick, it's interesting. The video of the shooter, which is despicable, it's fucking terrible. Um, it was actually filmed, like it's very intentionally yeah. filmed as a first person shooter video game. And before he goes into the mosque, he dog whistles and says, and subscribe to PewDiePie. And it's interesting, there's on some of these uh, online alt-right places, you have like these edits of it. So for one that I've seen, they have one where they basically cut in PewDiePie playing a video game, but the video game is the shooter's video. And so like PewDiePie's laughing when people are getting shot, it's fucking terrible. But it also like exemplifies kind of the attraction to you know, PewDiePie for, in one sense, and also how video games and first-person shooters come in. But to tie it back in, back to the eco-fascism, there was an article that just came out uh, yesterday by the Washington Examiner titled, Kellyanne Conway Calls New Zealand Shooter an Eco-Terrorist and Rejects His Claim That Trump is a White Identity Symbol. Uh, it was on, oh, March on, on March 15th by Stephen Nelson. Quote, this is uh, Kellyanne Conway uh, commenting here, quote, He's wrong. The shooter is an evil, hateful person who was wrong about that point. Uh, Conway told reporters about the alleged shooter's reference to Trump in his 74-page manifesto. Conway, speaking on the White House driveway, encouraged people to read the manifesto and, quote, cover the entire manifesto if you're going to cover a piece of it, unquote. And then goes on further to say, I would say, though, read the manifesto because it's very chilling to read it, Conway said. It's interesting how, in one sense, it's like, you know, no, he's not. He's not eco-fascist. He's not uh, a symbol of white supremacy. He's none of that. Instead, uh, and you should read it. Uh, the shooter is an eco-terrorist, which is, I mean, for me, it reads as if like conflating the left environmentalist with eco-terrorist, and then the shooter to kind of, you know, wrap it all together in this like really hateful like image, which. The manifesto itself, the shooter never refers to himself as an eco-terrorist. He refers to himself explicitly as an eco-fascist. I just think that it's really terrible that Kellyanne Conway is telling people to go read the manifesto. No, don't read this thing. Yeah. Don't. Oh, this is really bad. Don't don't look at this. It's like, yeah. Oh no. Like <laughs> the, what? What is it like? Um, like when something's off limits, it's more enticing. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. It's so taboo. Don't look at it. Don't do it. Like, oh, it's chilling. Don't this has do nothing it. to do with yeah. Trump. Ooh, look what I dropped on the floor. What if you read this? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's it. I mean, it's 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 what's really chilling is it's how transparent when you look up that the big picture of this. How mm. it's 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 pedagogical in terms of how to learn to do this stuff. Not that we should bury and censor things, but it's 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 hard to say it's not intentional if it's not learned. It's just also sort of like a survivalist behavior of how do you push forward a particular agenda really politically mm -hmm. and amass as mo enough people as possible and it's it's gaslighting it's smoke screening it's abuse characteristic you know i was thinking through when you were talk when we had talked about this and mm -hmm. and thinking about it before and like there's certain rules to this and i was looking at the manifesto man um not to read it really but then you kind of have to look at it and there's a big image on the front of it. I mean, have you seen that big wheel Fucking, um, yeah, with that Nazi sun. sun in the middle? Yeah. And, and it reminded me of, like, this is how ultimately the insatiable urge to take in any human, the dictatorship mm -hmm. model, the despot, mm -hmm. you know, works to politically mobilize into fascism. I mean, mm -hmm. it's 
fucking everything mm-hmm. and not. There's a void. We're going to fill a void with a void. And that mm-hmm. makes everybody who's listening still really vulnerable to like, ooh, maybe I'm going to fill that void with something that's not a void, but every time it's just going to be a void. I mean, it says like workers' rights, anti-imperialism, environmentalism, responsible markets, right? And so it's like anywhere you begin to identify, the game mm-hmm. is going to be to convince you that you are in. Yes, you're always exactly. you're always part of this. So like rule number one, like this is the answer. Rule number two, there's no limit to the answer, and thou shalt mm-hmm. have no other limitless experiences except for the answer, and the answer is universally good, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so rule number three, this is the way it is, despite how it is experienced. It's the answer, mm-hmm. and it's good. And rule number four, guess what? You're defined by this. You're living it, and you exist by the answer. Whatever, like fill in literally mm-hmm. wherever I see the answer. Whatever you build, like whatever your platform is, whether it's like environment or hatred or like like white nationalism, like you're defined by this, mm-hmm. all right? And it's it's how you do everything, mm-hmm. right? And it taps into like it's how you experience, it's who you experience, it's what you experience. That's sort of the rule. It's everything, right? And then we're recalling back to those previous three rules. Um, there are no limits to it, and you can't exist outside of it. In fact, like it's about convincing folks like don't look at it but you have to look at it because there's no escaping it mm-hmm. and then there's actually really one rule that we never really get to but that's sort of like at the end of like when there's a big thing as that all of this exists insofar as it allows for the violation of others right. so yeah. like all the previous rules are in place just so i can mm-hmm. enact the kind of domination that my insatiable urge to mm-hmm. dominate others so it's yes. all set up to violate that. And to me, these mass these mass shootings, like they're showing us this. Like there's all this rationalizing yeah. insofar as that I can ultimately take. Mm-hmm. I, I see it. I'm like, of course, there's a piece. Like how do you get to claim all these parts on a wheel yeah. except to build an argument that helps you justify and rationalize ultimately getting enough support mm-hmm. around there's no escaping it, mm-hmm. right? Kind of like, I mean, I listen to you all do your podcast on ideology and you really kind of talked through that way so it's how does the ideologue get the most out of what they want ultimately rationalization to violate until there is nothing left to violate mm-hmm. absolutely and it's so interesting that you can like connect that with this notion of like environmentalism but furthermore to kind of go with what your point like like on that wheel they have a couple points where it's like i think the most majority of people would say like yeah environmentalism is really important for like everybody's future. And it's like, okay, cool. We got the door open a little bit more. And like, they keep putting these points out, like no imperialism. Cool. Okay. And then you're right. It just kind of like, okay, cool. Now go to the next step, the next step. And it finally, you just, when you, when you just look yourself in the mirror, you've got a Nazi armband on like, <laughs> right. Yeah. So this, or not, because I mean, and that's, that's a piece back to education, right? It's like, or not, yeah. because you learn like, absolutely. There is no way to rationalize a Nazi. Uh, absolutely. And you know, this like, same thing I think we get to is like there's no sympathy for the the like the the violent really, mm-hmm. in this case the shooter or you know or that the racist like there's no like well they're they're sort of racist because they can be taught otherwise it's like at this point um, which kind of brings me into this idea is like I think these are also reminders that we're like in denial that we're at we're in a war mm-hmm. it's a war against black and brown bodies with mm-hmm. and it's and it's state supported. Yes. Right. And so another yeah. way to gaslight that is to is to do this sort of like what's the name Conway, you know, yeah. saying like 
read this, read that, like, look at these other things. And to say, like, this is not a state-sanctioned war. It's not particular forms of actual fascism. It's yeah. terrorist fascism. Mm-hmm. It's always, so the, the, the trick then is always to push it out to the far right or left when mm-hmm. it's actually being heavily normalized in everyday mm-hmm. life as not a yeah. war, as, you know, not, and I'm putting quotes, not a war. Right. Mm-hmm. right. The, the body, I don't even know, what does the body count have to get to for it to be considered a war? Who, whose bodies? That's really and whose bodies? Yes, exactly. Yeah. I, I always think of that when I hear like uh, tariffs or I'm sorry, economic sanctions on other countries, like you know, in mm-hmm. like say like economic sanctions in Venezuela. It's like who's going to suffer the most from this? The the poorest are going to affect that, and that's economic violence. Like when we have to call it for what it is, you know. Um, yeah. To kind of go into this eco-fascism theme a bit more, I just want to briefly go over like the history of it. It kind of originates. I guess you say kind of the founding fathers of eco-fascism. It kind of originates from late 18th century, early 19th century, Madison Grant. Uh, he was an American. He was like directly responsible, personally responsible for basically kidnapping and putting on display a member of the Mubuti tribe of the Congo, uh, Ota Benga. Basically, he was sold by slave traders for display in America. He was caging them in the zoo to live with the apes in 1906 and forcing Ota to perform for the public as evidence of the truth of then fashionable racial racial science. Uh, He also went on and was advocated for his post, the culling of the unfit from the human population and mapped out a hundred year plan for the perfect human race, essentially killing off group after group until racial purity had been obtained, you know, eugenics. You got another one who's Argentinian born, uh, Richard Walter Darr. Basically, he was the ideologue for the Nazis behind blood and soil, which is basically race and land. It's returning to this romanticized Nordic agrarian countryside image rather than the urban swamp, which is really just a, a dog whistle for uh, anti-Semitism because that's you know who's the successful, basically minorities and, and Jews are the ones that live in the city. So we got to get away from that. So it's uh, that's it's the dog whistle for that. Um, this dude was fucking like SS. It was like um, prison later and died in prison, um, but also connected with this. And I think I, I'm seeing the connections here. It's specifically about eco-fascism, this notion of the Lebensraum, the living space for Nazi Germany, that they wanted to basically push non-Aryans, non-Germans uh, out of most of the continent of Europe so that they had living space. Uh, and of course, this this is to displace, murder, you know, starve, remove the indigenous um, and I think this is kind of what's being, not, not kind of, but is being pushed explicitly by ethno-nationalists. They need their living space and basically not, you know, minorities, non-whites, you know, need to make room so that we can actually prosper, so they would claim. Just going on further throughout history of the, uh, the Unabomber, who uh, was basically against the industrial society, which again is back to that blood and soil, like returning to the dog whistle for anti-Semitism. And then I think this kind of steps more uh, into your area, the eco part. Um, you have two basically deep ecologists, um, mm-hmm. Finnish Penti Lakula and also Savici Devi, um, who's also, the, the latter is a specifically influenced modern alt-right eco-fascists. Um, both of them essentially embracing the environmentalism, but of course, as we've come discussed, for selected people. And it's always, you know, mm-hmm. the white yeah. people that should benefit from this. Lakula specifically was responsible for uh, one of the starkest presentations of so-called, quote, lifeboat ethics, this idea of, you know, ongoing environmental collapse and that some people should simply be allowed to die. Very Malthusian, you know, thing. But in your studies, 
uh, and research and, and so forth. Um, what do you think about the kind of this ongoing or I was saying this uh, increasing trend of like eco-fascism in yeah. comparison and contrast with the left's environmentalism? Yeah, I think, well, really, I think it works well to tie in as a rationalizing point and organizing more people into white supremacy or to mm-hmm. more like people who are benefiting by white supremacy. So white folks. And, 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 and that's, and that's me talking about it more in like North American terms, mm-hmm. you know, around the world, I think like we're seeing it in xenophobia and anti-immigrant sentiments, like, like that there is a very real concern over what's life going to be like on the planet in the next century. And so there's a vulnerability of people and one organizing principle of like particular groups like white nationalists or third Reich or white supremacists or alt-right, whatever you want to kind of call them, is to utilize that mm-hmm. in order to put forward their agenda. And so white supremacy is the agenda or like the original people of, of the Nordic and, you know, that region, or I was just reading about a place in South Africa that's like pro-apartheid. It's like this little mm-hmm. city, yeah. uh, Orania or something. I'm, I'm really yeah. need to learn more about this, but like they're predicated on like that there is actually, and to tie back to this kind of thing, this white, this sort of great replacement or something going on. Like yep. there's, they're trying to claim genocide um, yeah. on white, on white folks, or maybe not Orania is, but around the, like around the, world these these rights to organize in these spaces mm-hmm. and so then then it sort of reclaims the argument and frames it already in and sort of obscures the white nationalist piece and says but it's yeah. about the planet but it's about the environment and we have a pro problem look global warming you're the one who you all have been saying you know the ipcc report comes out and science is really important so we're following science and now you know so the, what what we know about even the ideologue historical stuff that you Shared, and that's another thing I think is really important in in the rise of ecofascism is the ahistorical nature of political movements. Yeah. So, like when activists have an like, not, and I'm not mapping this on all activists, but when act, social movements have sort of a like like an ahistorical approach, or they don't have like strong mentoring and historical knowledge of like how the Third Reich utilized even some radical organizing principles really well, mm-hmm. right? And so yeah. then they don't necessarily see the tendencies because privilege is really blinding. Like eco groups could be really white and often are, and you know because they, they start to amass these groups without checking historically how that's worked, and get really far down into a rabbit hole, and then coupled in and the ideologue is brilliant at this. That's why they end up being noted historically as ideologues to social movements and things is that they fit so many different causes mm-hmm. really well. Right. And like, I don't want to say it's like a hot cause right now, but it's like an imminent one that governments are trying to grapple with and that that politicians are able to really use in particular ways to build Mm -hmm. mass amounts of people. And white nationalist movements, I think, are on the rise because of because of it, because they're saying fundamentally, uh, like, quote unquote, I'm not racist or I'm not xenophobic or I'm not anti-Islamic. But, you know, we can't Mm -hmm. have people in our we can't let everybody into our country. We can't have, we can't have all people, you know, and it sort of like obscures, there's this, but it has to be for some people. And I think that's, that's entirely problematic. That's, that's based on, as we like know, and these kind of guys, that's based on a particular industrial capitalist way of living. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of like this double-edged sword. They want to critique oftentimes what even radicals are critiquing, 
but mm-hmm. then replace it again. I'm saying like fill a void with a void, like replace it with sort of this like illusion of a solution. Mm-hmm. Right. Like we're going to like main like it's not a cultural crisis. It's like who's actually participating, and if we just exclude other people, mm-hmm. you know. And then the people who have been making the population argument, which I think is incredibly problematic, just to self-identify. Like there's mm-hmm. not too many people on the planet. There's too many people on the planet to live a particular way. Yes. Um, and that doesn't mean we can't live mm-hmm. at peace. It just doesn't. It's, there's too many people on the planet to continue the level of exploitation of one another and right. of the planet's resources. So if you want to mm-hmm. maintain the way of living on the mm-hmm. planet, right, then you have to convince people that we have a population problem. And then if you have the population problem and you want to maintain it, you, you, have, to, you have to say who can and can't participate. Mm-hmm. And so now the environmentalists is really, can, can find themselves, if they, get, if they attach themselves to the population problem, they find themselves going down the hole or down the avenue or walking the walk or path of that there's too many people on the planet. And then really quickly they're vulnerable to, or it's a slippery slope, to that little, that little voice. Sometimes it's in their own head because of the way they think and the privileges and the way they have an apocalyptic sort of like right. horniness for destruction. That they're yeah. like, hey, they're like, hey, I know, you know, Muslims have more kids than anybody else, so they need to, you know, they need to be kept in places where it's going to be impossible to live on the planet and thus die. And they don't even see themselves as like advocates or supporters of a, of a kind of genocide. You know, right. so like human brought upon ecocide is actually political genocide, and it's yeah. not. And, and the best thing an abuser could do is flip it. I mean, have you ever been in like a conversation with a really abusive person? We can, and I'm not devaluing like like genocide in any way. This, this comparison is not one to one at all. But when they say like, "Oh, that's your perspective," or "That's your perspective," you're mm-hmm. like, "Hey, man, you just you just fucking stole my stuff." No, no, that's your perspective. You know, I I needed it and I was borrowing. It's like, no, that's fucking stealing. You know, like <laughs> or some yeah. some kind of comparison. But like, that's your perspective. So the, the ideologue also flips it like this and like. You know, that's genocide. No, 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 that's what you're saying. I'm actually experiencing genocide, too, because if too many people live here, then I'm going to... And they just gaslight and flip the whole thing right exactly. back around. And that's that's how I see this great replacement. It's yeah. like, yeah. it's sort of like, oh, it's reverse racism. You know, it's mm-hmm. this like current loop where you can just flip it. And now, yeah. and now we're vulnerable and still sort of moving forward. And it creates a smokescreen to do the dirty work of, like, building up fascist governments. Mm-hmm. And getting them the kind of popular affiliations that they need to enact the violences that they ultimately need to enact, what happens to be destruction of the planet. And I mean, I think this might get there. It might be a whole separate podcast. But there's these eco dominion folks who I think are not far from this eco fascist thing, and they actually believe, you know, because wrapped in this, and the deep ecologists lay this out, um, and then the eco fascists sort of springboard foundations of deep ecology so it's like it becomes sort of an entry point uh, but i think it's a departure from like it's unfair to put all deep ecologists in there although some of them go there that there's a logic of domination really in anthropocentrism like or right, like human supremacy of things uh and there's a logic there that then if you really follow sort of like dominion of the plant planet like a judeo-christianity sort of like like god man nature kind of hierarchy you know, we see at the roots of this this sort of Eurocentric or white nationalism. Then, then you start to see people who who are beginning to, I think, and maybe they always have, I just haven't seen it called this. 
people who rationalize this, that the faster they destroy the planet as they're right, like they're bringing forth the coming of Christ. And so like they're just like rapidly increasing and advocating for the destruction of the planet as like bringing us closer to the coming of Christ. And so in hearing that from people, I mean, like that's, that's the kind of logic that we're, it's dizzying. Yeah. That's it. And so, and so again, the ideologue sees this, it's sort of like the, like the business entrepreneur is like, yo, here's a product that we can commodify and sell to the masses. Yeah. Right. And, and so I think eco-fascism as well as, you know, like I'm, is mapping onto like calling it terrorism. Mm-hmm. Right. Which certainly mass yeah. killings are mass killings. Yeah. But, you know, like environmental work, like advocating for the environment isn't terrorism, mm-hmm. but it's rife breeding ground for like using as a rationale to recruit people who ultimately want to take life. Absolutely. Yeah. It's interesting, too, that like the these groups are like, oh, like because the environment is suffering, we have to be more violent to kind of hold our own. But it's usually like those groups, like those white groups were the ones who sort of started the whole like (laughs) fucking of the planet to begin with. Exactly. So that's yeah, that's so that's interesting. And in the manifesto, he talks about how like the colonizers are always like to blame. And so and so basically like the context here is that non-whites are coming and colonizing. Right. So that's like the shooter's perspective, the eco-fascist perspective. So he's like, oh, the colonizers are so bad, like we got to repel them. And then, like, I was reading this, and I wrote down, like, wait a minute, you fucks. Like, the white people are the OG colonizers, and the real colonizers, like, like so selective in the history, like, going back, like, and yeah. I'm going to stop here at Aryan European white history, and I'm just going to ignore everything else that happened before. And I, and I don't understand why they do that. I don't, and I think it's, for them, from what I've read and seen, like, it's always like, oh, well, this is where the most amount of knowledge and culture, the high culture, low culture, for them, the high culture is you know, started here from the whites in Europe. But it's like, God, it's such an ahistorical, like, oppressor interpretation. There's sort of a parody there of, like, between the the religious side and then the, like, white supremacy side of just, yeah. it's, you know, it's nature is ours to control, to to destroy if we want, mm-hmm. in the same way of, of, like what you said, the ahistorical, it's like, it's white people's territory right. like all of it mm-hmm. and then it's the other people coming in mm-hmm. but yeah because 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 they totally believe that like there's a if you believe there's a superior race then if you're in that logic of that mm-hmm. great chain of being then you're closer to that godlike status yeah and so then like mm-hmm. nature is further down and that's why dehumanization works so well to rationalize exploitation because there's this sort of like human is superior and then you're faced with the dilemma of like well, what about other humans? Well, they're not fully human, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and so then you can rationalize that all that kind of that, that whole chain of things. Very um, convenient. Yeah, right. <laughs> convenient for you. And I, I think that's another important piece. It's like so obvious, but even in our discussion, like it took us a while to get there in our conversations, like mm-hmm. that this great replacement of like this whole agenda of like return, like people need to live where they're like from. I guess that's sort of like part of this whole piece, which like then let's let's back way back. That's like what decolonization has been all about. Like get the fuck mm-hmm. off of our land, right? And get mm-hmm. back. Like it's like wiping out all of like the colonial aspect of the history, mm-hmm. and like just starting 
which is another form of abuse. Like, this is it. This is where, like, I'm saying I'm from here and now I'm from here. Mm-hmm. Right. And yeah. Or like, oh, should we go back to Pangea? Or should we go back to when we were amoebas and we were all in the same soup pile? Like, how far back are we supposed to go? Yeah. Right. And, and how think, convenient that it works for you right now. And, you, and you're going to pick yeah. the places to be, aren't you? Yeah. yeah. And I think that the whole great replacement thing is really, it's a, like, uh, even more so specifically, because I think it's tucked in with the great replacement. This, like, idea of, like, the, uh, which is tucked in and necessary, according to them, for ecofascism is this, like, ethno-national state where basically, you know, certain ethnicities uh, live where, you know, they're in their homeland. It's really just, like, what's not really talked about explicitly from them in a direct sense is that, say, in this theoretical uh, world where all the ethnicities and races, like, they live in their respective, like, areas, they're totally, like, the white Western superpowers you know, that already have like a hegemony of power over other countries, they're going to use that to exterminate all the countries that are not white. Like once you get to that stage, then like, they're still going to go like if the shooter goes on to talk about how like, so birth rates are the problem. And then but then later on, it's like, but it's not just birth rates, like, in the end, like, you're going to have to like eliminate, right. And so like, at, at certain point, you should be like this, this whole country area needs to be eradicated, or at least like lower their birth rate numbers, so they just kind of die off, right. Because that's the whole thing for white genocide is this this bogus conspiracy theory that because the white the white race has low birth rates compared to non-whites, eventually they they argue it's like 2040 or something. I don't know. Basically, some really eminent time period is when white pure whites are going to like uh, lose their majority status, become minorities, and being a minority is a bad thing. It's interesting one that they mm-hmm. affirm that when you're a minority, like yeah, there's like so much shit against you, and but yeah. two like. Like, it's, it's fucking bullshit. And, like, who the fuck cares? I don't care if the fucking white race dies out. Like, my obligation as a allegedly white, like, male is now to go and have interracial, like, just to spite them. Like, fuck you. But Yeah. It's, <laughs> I could say, too, like, as like as a minority, it's always, like, this thing where it's, like, like sometimes in the dating world, you experience a situation where it's, like, uh, they're, like, picking and choosing what parts of your minority are really great and the uh, other parts that are kind of, like, oh, maybe maybe keep that part a little bit down. Like maybe <laughs> is, is is down like is down like a dog whistling though for white though is that is that like down? maybe yeah maybe put some more whiteness on that oh. instead you know like maybe don't bring up so much about all the history <laughs> yeah 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 again a historical like right like you were mm-hmm. saying taking us back there mm-hmm. historical like how do we get to where we are and and I think that's a lot of the 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 rallying pieces to this is that. Mm-hmm. It's gaining momentum in spaces because the there will not be white, white majority spaces, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. and I think that's that. I mean, I'll just say flat out. I think that's that's probably the best fucking thing that can happen. Mm-hmm. Um, it, just because I don't know that I'm not saying like because like if you look like like white, then you're ultimately all of these things. But it's mm-hmm. a lot easier to be all these things and to mm-hmm. rationalize them if you are. Uh, and so. Mm-hmm. Like thinking through that, and I'm not wishing like like for any kind of white. I don't think you can call it a white genocide, mm-hmm. as much as it's like like eradicating whiteness. Yeah. Right. Eradicating yeah. like we talk about this in terms of like ending sexism, eradicating like patriarchy yep. from relationships. That yeah. doesn't mean like that we want all do all of us like to to like lose our neck like head like neck and be castrated and not to have any sort of like like identity and that. But like you, 
just because we are who we are doesn't mean we have to enact patriarchy. And the mm -hmm. same thing, like, um, I think people unwilling to do that work, like relinquishing privileges of whiteness, mm -hmm. it's a little bit easier to like, like fight instead of address. Um, yeah. and so they're taken in and, and we're getting the loudest aspects of it. I think it might be even louder to come, but like the scarier, like kind of heavy hand, like, mm -hmm. you know, the planet is being destroyed because you're not, you're not submitting to white power. And, you know, like, like I'm pretty sure the planet was here before white power and the planet <laughs> can be here after right now. You're just making it so you can take out a bunch of fucking people for your own political purpose. Yeah, it's like uh, like when someone's like, like they ask you like, I want I want that uh, I want that food you got there. You're like, no, it's my food. And they're like, all right, well then, and then they hit you in the face and they grab your food. You're like, why'd you do that? It's like, well, I would have had to if you just would have gave me the food. The first like you right. did this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and and then and then you were really sad about it, but they were like, yeah, but they were like, don't worry, man, because you're my you're my homie, you're my friend, and you're like, but but you just fucking took my food. But they're like, yeah, yeah, but we're cool, right? And you're like, no. And then they punch you in the face again. Yeah. And then you're like, shit, this person's just going to keep... You know, this is like this cycle. The person is right. like, hey, man, no matter what, I'm going to give you some of my food. Because otherwise, you're going to take it. Yeah. And then, you know, it's, just con it's like constantly framing and claiming the entire space and taking up all of that. I mean, and we're seeing it uh, in patriarchy and white supremacy and, and now, like, in bringing in, like, environment stuff with it, too. And, that kind of that kind of reminds me of like that point that I think the the shooter was making about wanting to start a a civil war like a race yeah. war like that's one of his things like because that's reminding me of like this like whole idea of that like that after a while you experience that someone punching you to get your food you're like you know what I'm sick of this I'm gonna carry a gun now yep and then yeah. and then that's and then the war is just going on like that yeah and I think and I think in I don't know New Zealand well uh, but I mean like here. I mean, we're in a war and that's, it's like, like the police and the vigilante and like, you know, mm -hmm. so it's a state sanctioned war that we're calling not a war. And then these, these personal, like individual enactments allows for it to be like more like isolated incidents. Mm -hmm. But then we look at it and like between our prison system and like police militarized states, you know, right. black and brown bodies and women are, you know, are being you know, non-white women, even white women being heavily abused. But I mean, like, like there's a war and we don't necessarily call it that. And I'm, I think it might be scary to do so. But I mean, I don't even know how, like, like if you call it a war, then, it's a, then, it, then it acknowledges that there is probably some value in the fight back. Mm. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's what would happen if. Yeah, that's 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 really interesting. I know that a lot of the alt-right, like an online discourse, like culture war is like the way that it's yeah. described yeah. in that sense. Um, and then I guess tying in with you, Lucy, about this notion of civil war, like, yeah, because of this like imminent threat, uh, you know, supposed imminent threat of non-whites, basically, the call for a civil war and the intention of doing the shooting itself to promote more gun control specifically hoping for the United States to do so, which will inevitably, quote, like, lead to a civil war. Like, they're taking the accelerationist pr approach. They want, and, they, and even, uh, the shooter even says in the manifesto, like, vote against, like, you know, uh, basically vote for the worst and, you know, put your foot, like, all the way on the gas pedal. Like, and yeah, it's really fucking disturbing. It's alarming because I know that, like, growing up in, in Northern California, like, there are, like, militant groups like militia groups that mm -hmm. are more leaning towards 
white nationalism and things like that. So like if it really gets to the point where it's like a full on war or something like that, it's like they're the ones that are most prepared for something like that. Yeah. So that makes it even more terrifying. I wonder yeah. how to how much too like culture war, you know, link, like language obscures the kind of war it is. Like it's that like is that like I mean I think about unpacking that, like it sounds so less aggressive. And yeah. then when we know it's really violent, it's really like it's like but it's a culture war. But people are getting like killed for this and yeah. disappearing and incarcerated at rates and like kids on borders and cages and all this stuff. It's like a it's like a full on full on war. And I mean and it was in Mediterranean, like immig like refugees coming across the ocean are just being by governments just like boats sunk and things like I mean, this mm -hmm. is this real war. Yeah, like people um, are, are dying. It's not just like Yeah. Not just Twitter hashtags. Yeah, that's around. what. I, but it, but it's a culture war, you know. It's like you got movies and we have musics and like whose musics got bigger markets and are better and that kind of thing. It's not real like bodily war. I mean, it is like you can't separate culture from like the lived experience. So right. Yeah, I think this is like what Zizek would say about like symbolic violence that you know it's perpetrated through like language, which inherently reinforces truth hegemony right and so for them they're pushing a certain narrative and it and in that normalizing kind of way like over time like it becomes more and more ingrained and immersed in the culture i think that's why like uh kind of going back to your point earlier about was it in south africa um the apartheid like trump had like done like a twitter post about how he wants to look into white farmers who are basically like losing their land which Tie, it, it is basically like it directly is like this kind of uh, connection to white genocide that's being perpetrated down there, which isn't happening. It's fucking bullshit. Um, right. But yeah, in regards to this like notion of culture war and so forth, I think that the online like domain, this informal learning setting, I think educators as educators and social justice like oriented people, um, we need to like address this. Um, I know that there are some, I guess you could say like YouTube celebrities or just online you know, public intellectual or basically whatever's uh, online, like ContraPoints, I think does a really great job mm -hmm. at addressing in a very entertaining way too, as being one among just a few. But I think that we are kind of lacking in that. And I think one, as you said before, like knowing your history and the roots, like I really like helps show like the true colors of what's being said and Two, Like, I don't know, do you, what, what do you all think about like this, this like need for more left presence uh, is specifically addressing, you know, whether it be eco-fascism or alt-right um, in this, I guess, meme war, culture war. I mean, the shooter himself says, I've learned more on the internet than I do in real life. That's where the real, that's where truth is. That's what, you know, what he's saying, or he, he did say. Um, but what do you think about that? I don't like, I mean, I personally, like, like I don't like the idea of like, getting involved in memes as a way to fight something. Mm -hmm. I don't know, maybe that's just me, but it feels not adequate like someone like it feels like when it, when a child comes up to you and starts calling you names and they just keep calling you names and it's like all right well that's just a kid like just calling me fat but like they keep saying it and i can't logic i can't tell them it being mean because they don't care because they're a kid so i have to tell them it feels like i had to go down to their level mm -hmm. to then engage and be considered worthy opponent or something like that because i made I a good meme with a good ha like a good hashtag yeah, I agree. And, but at the same time, though, like this is I guess you can kind of say the medium for like the millennial and the younger generations, though, like yeah. the shooter himself had said, while we may use edgy humor and memes in the vanguard stage 
and to attract a younger young audience. Eventually, we will need to show the reality of our own thoughts and more serious, intense wishes for the future, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and then goes on later to say, you know, create memes, post memes, spread memes. Memes have done more for the ethno-nationalist movement than any manifesto. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's a recruiting tool, huh? It's, I mean, it's a grooming like kind of mm -hmm. tactic. It's, it's interesting because it is like, it's saying like that image has that that much power. Yeah, I think when you connect it through a, when you connect ideas through comedy or, mm. I would say like humiliation, I think is like a kind of a key thing, especially on YouTube where they're like destroyed yeah. by logic and fact. You know, like those SJWs. Yeah. I think that appeals yeah. to a certain emotion i don't want to say nature but like an emotion yeah. or something that gets people like agitated shows their superiority it they can laugh it off and but what is that doing that's like reaffirming that's just like self-reaffirmation like whew, my ideas are true and other people are getting destroyed i'm right cha-ching yeah i guess also it goes back to what you were saying johnny earlier about just like that need to want to destroy and yes yeah man Exactly. I want to know that. I ask all this time. It's like people are like want to boil it down to a simple solution. And they said, like, well, how do you do that? And one we talked a little earlier, like as much as I think we mobilize and that computers can be a tool or memes or technologies can be can be a tool. Is that like we have like a materiality to us um, and that we have to like walk together or sit together. I mean, walk is kind of ableist to be in places together mm -hmm. that are like multi-species. Right. Let our bacterial colonies like interact there's this really there's this really interesting stuff and i was like i should have pulled it and like we need a whole like research team to like look this stuff up for us but but i, I was reading somewhere in some rabbit hole around like these experiments being done around like like uh like bacterial like understanding bacterial colonies in people's guts right and like there it's in animal experimentation stages and that's not me now condoning animal experimentation or anything like that because it's opening another whole can of fuckery but there's like this this science now, and I put some scare quotes around science, but I think this is some interesting stuff that we probably knew before we turned to only science to teach us things, mm -hmm. that the particular animals that didn't have the bacteria colonies introduced into their upbringing, so they're like raised in isolation, right? Mm -hmm. Then, which is torture, so I don't, I don't want to condone this. This is really problematic. Yeah. But the, and the, what I'm getting to, they didn't know how to behave. And then they give certain groups of animals also raised in these for periods in isolation, the bacterial colonies, and they knew how to behave with it. And, and in a sense, saying like the bacterial colonies have mobilized us and, and sort of are, are in communication. And like there's a knowledge in that exchange that's going on. Like we don't know it all up here. All that's to get at like we have to be amongst each other and other things. Like we are communal, like our histories, our like existences are in community and I don't want to over romanticize that community or like sound like I'm for some like going back to some ancient way of being mm -hmm. uh but valuing that maybe some of that knowledge of that ancient way of being and honoring it so we ought to be together as well as utilize these tools to sort of infiltrate but then it kind of gets on that point of like I want to know like what people love like what are they not like not like like what what gets you off like what are the things that you really really enjoy Mm -hmm. And like from a young age, like how do we support that's in the back to that like anarchist education? How do we support like an open space where we don't mm -hmm. get trained to love individual competition and this notion of like seeing myself as separate from and superior to others 
and I only exist and my value is only experienced. And so then my joy and my pleasure gets really wrapped up in my understanding of self as separate to and superior other to others. So if I'm not getting to dominate a bunch of people, I'm not feeling good about myself. And sometimes it's really hard to articulate, but I wonder like what gets people yeah. off because we have this whole like isolation of like what gets me off is like this humiliation porn. And it's not even like sex as much as it's like just yeah. seeing people put down and trolling and all these things. So it's sort yeah. of like this thing that's coming up because we're just not cohabitating in ways that allow for people to experience pleasure, not in competition, but in right. community. And, and so I just get back to that. Like, what is it like, what, what is it you love or what is it you're learning to love and decoupling it from sex, but not making sex taboo. Right. And so it's like, what mm. are the things you enjoy and like make you feel good and that, that are not wrapped up in domination. So it's not anything goes that aren't harmful to yourself or to other folks. And that's sort of that, like, where I think like anarchists have spoken to this in a number of capacities. But then when we when when we turn to like what ultimately leads to fascism, when we turn to to authority and control and dictatorships, when we defer what we love to the state or right. to like being told what it is, then we're really vulnerable to being mal to being like shaped and to being foot soldiers of patriarchy, to being foot soldiers. And that's not to take individual responsibility off that, but it's mm. a lot harder to break an addiction to, to wanting to see people suffer and to right. getting off on. And I truly believe, and I don't know that it's like there's a recovery from it, so I'm going to sound really awful, like, <laughs> but I think there's probably prevention of it. I hope yeah. there's some sort of recovery because like we're all in it. But I think the best is like for future generations, like how do we not, allow for it to get this far gone yeah. to where we're trying to remediate it. I I had one. So like, I've been the person who has been for a long time saying like, I don't want kids. I don't want to have kids, whatever. But recently I've been like, you know, I kind of do because I want, I want them to just be in the fray. Like I want them to annoy people, like get out there. Like I feel like my child would be yeah. braver than I am and just yeah. really get in there and mix it up. And yeah. that's what we need to do or something like that. Like that's the only thing I can think of top of my head. Right. Yeah, or even if it's not your kids, it's someone's kids. I mean, some someone's human kids, yeah. on the planet, right? I also think there's a real, like, white fragility, whiteness, fragility, and modernness to this, like, imminence. It's got to happen. It's got to happen right now. Shit is so fucked. It's yeah. uh, like, like I, I'm so, like, it doesn't matter. Like, do whatever because things are really messed up. And, and once you just keep saying that and putting that into the world, it, like, makes that behavior even more... And, uh, you know, I have, um, and we'll keep keeping this anonymous, I have this, like, I have some friends that are not white, not like, oh, I have a not white friend, but, like, really some indigenous mentors, you know, and they were always so chill, not like they're okay with it, not that they don't have righteous anger, but they work and they say, like, man, part of all these, like, white environmental writers that are freaking, about, freaking out about the planet didn't, it, haven't survived a genocide, not, and that's not condoning that it's okay, mm-hmm. but, like, like there's a wisdom on this planet of like what's going to be here and it's going to be, you know, there's going to be people, there's going to be humans, there's going to be a planet. It's going to look a lot different and we have a chance for it to look a lot different because we could change the way we live on the planet, not mm-hmm. kill a whole bunch of people so that you can maintain this way, like not an act of genocide in the name of like in, in the fear that you're going to be a victim of genocide, but really just so that you have to not have an iPod and not have a bunch of like 
nice shit that's at the expense of other people on the planet. Right. Like we like our shit so much that we want to say that people are trying to enact genocide. By we, now I'm saying like white folk. There are kin, I wouldn't even call them kin, they look, they, they, they present as <laughs> kin, like whiteness, you know, saying, I like my shit so much and I like my power so much that I want to say you're enacting genocide on me because you're just asking me to not, or telling me even, like asking is already like we're past that, telling me I can't have that stuff or saying, you know, it could be a different planet if you didn't live this particular way yeah. um, that you want to like wage war back. I think it's so like ironic, but also like a slap in the face to indigenous for white people to come in and be like, oh God, there's, you know, I've taken this land, whatever. But then now it's like, oh, but now there's white genocide going on. Like, that's such a slap in the face to, like, indigenous and people of color, like, to go and Seriously. fucking do that. Yeah. It's like, it's yeah, like, like you're, you're just alive and thriving and that by you thriving, you're committing genocide on me. I don't like yeah. it. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> fucking terrible. You're doing well. What is yeah. that? Is that, is that like, not, I guess it's, it's definitely victim blaming or like a very narcissist. Am I, is that the right term I'm thinking here? Or it's basically just like. Uh, it's like that one, I guess you could say like that one meme from uh, Eric Andre's show where he shoots Hannibal and he's like, who killed Hannibal? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A victim blaming would be like, like the person in a position of power is saying like, well, this bad stuff has to be done to you because you, mm. you know, you spoke up or like you, mm -hmm. you, you start to thrive. And so yeah. you know, that's yeah. your own fault. If you just known your role and kept in your, like stayed in your place, like the, like the quintessential, like like, oh, this woman was raped. And then they say, like, yeah, but, you know, she was out at night. Yeah, you know, like, what was she wearing? Or, yeah. Like, asked for kind of, kind of shit, Fine you know? And so that's, remember, like, the fifth rule of all those rule of dub, like, I, it could be the 20th rule. It's the nth rule of a fascist rule, like the ideologue's rules, <laughs> is there is no rule. And don't talk about the rule because the rule doesn't, ex the rules don't exist. There's, like, this constant gaslighting mm -hmm. of, like, it's anything and it's everything, but don't talk about it because if we talk about it, then like we're back in the loop of the rules. There are no rules to this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's like it's like it like quantum theory. Like it exists. Like fascism is like quantum philosophy or <laughs> quantum politics. It, it can it exists because it doesn't exist, but then it doesn't exist because it does exist. And if you observe it, it will break apart and not exist well, again. And if you resist it, it will kill you. Yes. <laughs> Which feeds into that, like its whole pieces to like that it requires like the insatiable urge to take and take and take and take and take. And then the best thing I could do if that's my urge or that's the kind of like culture we built around, if we want to call it a culture war, then then the best thing I could do is convince a bunch of people that that's what they need. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. It's like mm -hmm. and then if. If that's it, then it's ultimately rationalized as what we need in order to save the planet, in order to save children, in order to like, so there's like this rationale that you get pulled into the loop of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which is total bullshit. Like, I'm not arguing for it. I mean, but it works. Right. And I'm not also not like, like, there's a lot of victims who like, ha like spend sometimes their entire life, you know, rationalizing the kind of abuse that they're in. Oh yeah, I don't. I don't want to say that that's okay in, in any way. It's it's still. I still go back. It's just. It's so dizzying to like in, engage and 
you know, the idea of like, you want to like get in the same space with somebody like that. And, you know, like you say, like sit with them and all that kind of thing. But at the same time, you're like, I am so exhausted by you. Yeah. And, um, they want that, you know, I know. to their benefit. Yeah. Oh man. And masterful, like the good, any one of us, as much as we know about this would be like, wait, maybe I'm totally fucking wrong. I mean, that's the masterful, <laughs> yeah. like a good ideologue, a good, mm-hmm. like a good, really successful person would be like hey man you know i noticed you're vegan like yeah man i'm vegan too like this are vibe like the really vibing into like like yeah. the lure into it and we like serial killers that's probably one of the best fucking ways to maybe even begin to understand this stuff is like yeah. like yeah. serial killers like you don't meet them and they're like man that was the scariest dude ever like we could like they could point that that's the serial killer you yeah. know it's it's much more complicated than master manipulation predator killer cult yeah yeah. And successful at being able to like learn and study and think through what a group of people are experiencing and liking and knowing enough to be in it to build and establish that kind of trust and to do grooming behaviors. It doesn't just like come off as like these like real quick like happenstances like, oh, man, someone played this video game and watched this video and then turned into, you know, a killer. There's a big grooming cultural grooming piece going on here. Yeah, Absolutely. and it, it's very, very cult-like too. Like the whole thing where it's like well, every good lie, there's a little bit of truth, and you get someone into yeah, your, yeah. your little cult that you have going on. Yeah, I think that's yeah. a good way of like describing um, kind of the ideologue, especially this, this fascism, eco-fascism, and so forth. Like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, take care of the environment. There it is. Gotcha. You just need a little bit, an inch, just to get like a mile. Like. Yeah, and then they each sort of form. So like, if you've been thinking about like, well, <laughs> what can we do to, you know, be more conscious of global climate change? Well, you know, reduce fossil fuels. Okay, great. So like, I'm gonna look at like reducing fossil fuels and then get involved in some sort of social organizing. It's sort of like almost saying, hey, I'm here and I want to do something. And a good ideologue and like, I mean, the rise of fascism says like, here is where you fit into this. And like, not you or me, but you might like people probably find themselves pretty far down mm-hmm. and into it. Now, if I'm into that and I absolutely really enjoy, like I get off on like the humiliation or like the ultimate domination of others, then then, then like I even I get more catalyzed than that mm-hmm. and that organization in that group. And I might even learn that that's a way to be. You know, like, yeah. I, mean, I think I think this is something probably if we're male identifying in a patriarchal culture, like there's a big lot of like even self work on how do we engage in relationships, you know, whether they're like like hetero or queer or anyway, that aren't wrapped up in the domination of patriarchy. Mm-hmm. Right. It's a constantly the work, man, you're doing the work. Right. So like if like I'm the same way. But you're, we all know it's like being, I don't, I'm not a, like a, an addict, but I can imagine this is like, maybe if you're addicted to alcohol or to narcotics or something like you're always like, we're, we're pretty addicted to the privileges of patriarchy. And right. so like, it's like one little, like, like we're always like, we could always be like one bad friend away from being like, you know, I can't even get myself to say it cause, but the language could come so quick, you know, it's like. Yeah. yeah, right. Slips in because it's been, it's just like right there. Old old habits die hard. And I can gen, like lucky me, I could generally say like being raised in feminist spaces like that, like knowledge of that is is there. It's not it doesn't even feel like me when it comes out, but still it comes out so quick. So I can talk to like with some of my friends who for whom 
like they had to like learn to undo that even closer yeah that it's like right there so i wonder if that's similar to these kinds of things you get off I mean, it's like genuinely luckily don't get off on controlling people probably to a fault like i'm like man like helps me like think through anarchism without as much like like pushback mm-hmm. i wonder what that psychology what that is because it's like because i'm also thinking about going back to the video games like realizing it like i feel like there's almost like this spike in the type of video games that really are focused around competition like Fortnite, yeah and games like that where it's all like those are the most popular games right now and it's all based around competition and dominating other people and being the best but we can dance together in that game in Fortnite. (laughs) so i don't see your point we could floss together that's true. Yeah, but I, mean, I don't know what I don't know what Fortnite does, but I mean, there's studies on this. Like, there's like gaming programmers have learned to program in like addicting aspects to games, and so mm-hmm. like they've shortened the length of games and and made them so like the way you have to play them have an addicting component in them. Like, we could say that's a form of capitalism. So we could yeah. look at it as a single issue and say, well, that's capitalism. You know, planned like like products like that are planned obsolescence, but but for gaming. And they'll like hook you in and get you kind of on it. And some countries have actually said, like, there's gaming addiction as like an actual, yeah. like, diagnosis. But then I, I also wonder, like, how naive we would be to think, like, if you're not, if you're able to program it for like buying it, and needing it, and you also couple in that like things that that feed into like domination, control, you know, like hyper, like identities, multiple ways, even if they're not hyper masculine like what comes in with that addiction what gets coupled in with it doesn't compound sort of the the problem also interestingly enough like when you hear a lot about the criticisms about games like this the developers who work on these games are are eerily quiet all over the place and i that's i find that weird (laughs) i find that very strange yeah yeah i wonder if they're like in a warehouse with no windows or something that's pretty (laughs) cool I mean, pretty close in ways, and that's not to pick on them. Like, I mean, there's more like they're more closed communities, like full service spaces, and then, like often described as really amazing places to work because everything you need is right there. So almost like communities themselves. Yeah. All right. So that was some really good discussions on uh, the ecofascism and some of the content that's in that Shooter's Manifesto. Um, definitely left it open-ended for investigating some of and exploring some of these other themes, um, specifically about like whiteness, white fragility, uh, and, and further, um, we'll have to do some more episodes on that. Definitely have some in the works about whiteness and white fragility, but, uh, thank you, Johnny Lupinacci for coming on and talking with us. It was a pleasure having you, our first public space travel guest. Yeah. Thank you very much. (laughs) And yeah, if uh, anybody wants to reach out to us, we're at publicspacetravel at gmail.com. Again, our voicemail is 208-502-1406. Until next time, I'm Lazarus. And I'm Lucy. (laughs) I'm Marks. And we will see you next time. Public, public space travel.
Yeah. 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 Um, as we're as we're talking about uh, a war of militias and like some sort of helicopter flying yeah. over <laughs> one of our spaces. Oh yeah, there's there's Just someone <laughs> mowing a lawn. Yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> it. Like, it's, like, a, it's a tank. I was hoping it didn't pick up. <laughs> you know? They're coming for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Triangulated um, my position. I mean, 